Special welcome to those of you here for the first time this morning. You're joining us in a week two of a series we launched last week called What Would Jesus Undo? In the 1990s, this uh, uh, you couldn't walk into a Christian bookstore. By the way, these days you can't walk into a Christian bookstore because there's very few of them left. But you couldn't walk into a Christian bookstore in the 90s without seeing a, uh, a bracelet, a silicon bracelet uh, with the uh, letters on it, WWJD, which stood for what would Jesus do? Now, if you missed out on that and you think, man, there's a whole slice of Christian kind of culture that I somehow wasn't privy to, uh, things have even gone beyond the silicon uh, bracelet. And you can go onto Amazon now and you can buy, let's just uh, put up some of the uh, new, uh, more uh, upbeat incarnations. You can have the hipster version roll the way through to the blingy version of the WWJD bracelet. So I'll leave that to you. I'm not saying you should, just saying you could. But this idea of WWJD, what would Jesus do, actually traces its roots back to the mid 1890s where a gentleman named Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. And it was an allegorical book uh, telling a story of a small town in America where the, the whole town gathered together and, 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 and committed to living every day of their life asking the question, what would Jesus do? Now, when you read your Bible, there are certain things that Jesus says, do this and don't do this. So in those things, we don't have to wonder or speculate what would Jesus do. He's very prescriptive. However, there are a whole ton of things that you and I may encounter in our normal everyday life where Jesus wasn't so clear, where He wasn't so prescriptive. And so our challenge, and as we grow and, and, and choose to follow Him is, Try to get inside His head. Try to actually get what, what He calls the mind of Jesus. We're, ac we're actually, we've read how He lived. We've read what He taught. We've read the things that he, He's done. And we, and we allow that to become more of how we think. And so when we're faced with situations that it's not exactly clear from our Bible, what would Jesus do? Hopefully, we'll have a better insight into which is the more correct or the more uh, appropriate thing. Let me give you some examples. Things that aren't clear in the, in the Bible, but, it, but we need to get our heads around is, would Jesus support the eagles or the dockers? See, Bible doesn't say that, but we all know there's a lot of references in the Bible to the eagles and absolutely zero to the dockers. So that's the no brainer if you ask me. Would Jesus watch Love Island? Well, again, this is so easy. Not only would Jesus not watch Love Island, Jesus would vote Love Island off the television so that none of us would ever have to even watch the commercials for Love Island. And of course, uh, what I think is ultimately the most important uh, WWJD is would Jesus drink instant coffee? <sighs> So disappointing. But actually for this series, instead of asking the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? We're actually flipping the script and asking the question, what would Jesus undo? And it's simply coming from the angle of, of it's so easy for you and I, if we've been following Jesus for a while, it's so easy for you and I to actually gradually drift to where we may have certain areas or situations or, or facets of our life that are less than God's best 
that we've actually settled for something less than what God has promised. And so we're asking the question, are there areas of our lives that Jesus would come in and say, you know what, I got something better for you. I wanna undo that and I wanna actually replace it with something better. In a sense, I feel like this series that we're actually staging an intervention. We didn't decide to teach this series because somebody is doing something naughty and we better kind of come into that, but rather just this general understanding that it's easy for you, even for me, I'm a professional Christian. Even for me, I can have areas of my life that I've settled for something less than God's best. And so it's, it's healthy, motivated by love, understand that, to occasionally confront some things and cause ourselves to confront some things in our own life and just say, Jesus, is this your best? So buckle up. It would be tempting to plan your vacation for these three, four weeks, but easier. But I think God's gonna really set some things free throughout this series. In fact, last week I taught about, what would Jesus undo? I taught about indifference. That Jesus says, you know what? Some of you, you're not hot. Which is, which is healing. You're not cold, which is refreshing. You're lukewarm, which is kind of ugh, not good for much at all. And I'd rather you either be hot, which can heal, or be cold, which can be refreshing, but instead you're lukewarm, you're indifferent. And let's confront that. Let's undo that. And let's get back to passion. Let's get back to, to following me. Let's get back to this, get away from this idea that balance is what Jesus wants. He doesn't want balance. He wants ridiculous commitments. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all of these other things that we're supposed to balance will actually be added to us as well. And so that was fantastic. And I've had some great feedback of what God spoke to people last week. This week, buckle up. I wanna talk about hypocrisy. (laughs) Some of you don't need to be reminded that one of the most common forms of criticism that Christians receive is that we're all a bunch of hypocrites. Has anyone ever kind of heard that or maybe even be called that or just been told, oh, those bloody Christians are a bunch of hypocrites? You know, it's actually sometimes true. And and when it is true, it can sometimes be very damaging. And and I don't wanna just gloss over that. I don't wanna just dismiss that. Some of you maybe have, uh, ex- had experiences where someone that was influential in your life acted one way on Sunday and acted very differently Monday to Saturday. Uh, there's an older expression about putting on your Sunday best. When you come to church, put on your Sunday best. And that meant, you know, best suit, best dress, whatever it is. And, I'm, and, 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 and then, then what? Then what? Be- becomes my next question. What, what, what do you put on on Monday? <laughs> Stubbies and flip-flops, mate. It, that, actually, that actually, this idea of putting on your Sunday best is actually more about how we clothe our hearts than it is about bodies. Now, please wear clothes. But, um, but some of you, you, you may have had a parent or parents where they were one way on Sundays and very different Monday to Saturday. And it can be very, very damaging. We're not perfect. As followers of Jesus, we're not perfect and I hope to God that we never ever claim to be perfect. In fact, all we are is we're people who acknowledge that we're broken sinners, that we're following someone who is perfect and hopefully He's progressively transforming us. And because He's progressively transforming us, it's actually fair at some level 
that some people might think that we're hypocrites. In fact, if ever anybody stopped criticizing Christians for being hypocrites, I think we've actually made a mistake because it's about that point that the culture we live in has stopped expecting anything better from us. You only disappoint people when you don't exceed their, don't meet their expectations. And if Christians stop being called hypocrites, it's because actually the expectations of our culture have dropped to the level of our delivery. But there should be something different, something tangible, something better about how we live our lives. Not because we're better, but because we're trying to follow someone who is better. Author Brendan Manning, he said this. This is hard to read. I'm gonna read it anyway, but it's hard to read. He wrote this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. That's hard to read. Who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That's pretty harsh. And it'd be easy just to dismiss that. Ah, come on. Let's just allow ourselves this morning to be confronted. Not to be shamed, not to be made to feel guilty, but just to ask ourselves the question, is there anything in me that Jesus would undo? Now, I wanna bust a couple of myths. Hypocrisy is not the gap between what we do and what we wish we did. Because we all do this. No, I wish I hadn't thought that thought, but I did. I wish I hadn't said that thing, but I did. I wish I hadn't done that thing, but I did. We, we, all, we all experience that. That's actually not hypocrisy. That's the good news. But it's not all good news because that's actually what God calls sin. <laughs> so whilst it's not hypocrisy, it's still less than God's best that there are thoughts that we think that aren't the thoughts that Jesus would think. Things we say that aren't the words that Jesus would choose and the things we do that aren't WWJD approved. But that's not hypocrisy, that's sin. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show and who we are. Between our public persona and our true character. Hypocrisy is about pretending. The dictionary definition of hypocrisy is an actor, a stage player, one who hides behind a mask. And it actually comes from Greek theatre. Greek theatre was the first kind of, uh, um, it's a pretty terrifying slide, I know, but it's a real one. Greek theatre, several thousands of years ago, was the first kind of art form where actors would come out on stage and actually play a character behind a mask. That, that actually that character, the, the person could pretend to be anything they wanted to be because they didn't have to be who they really were. They actually, every time they stepped onto the stage, they stepped onto the stage behind a mask and that masked didn't define who they were, but it defined who they were pretending to be, who they were projecting themselves to be. And that type of acting was called hypocrisy. Jesus 
didn't like hypocrisy. And when I say didn't like, that's the PG version of how he kind of tackled hypocrisy. There was recorded incidents where Jesus was in the temple, in the you know, Jewish form of what we would call the church building in the temple. And some people would give and when they gave, they wanted to make a big show about it. They wanted to impress people with just how much they were giving and, and how generous they were. Jesus stood up and lit up at those people. He said, that's, that's not the deal here. You people who wanna pretend how generous you are, but actually what you're doing is just showing off, I prefer that you did your giving in secret. And then the real test is whether God's impressed and whether you can handle the fact that nobody else is impressed. There was uh, leaders out in, uh, standing on the corner of streets, praying out loud. Not preaching, just praying out loud. Oh God, trying to show every passerby just how holy they were. And Jesus said to those people, you know what? Your prayer would be better done in secret. So it's actually God whose attention you're trying to get and not the people passing by on the streets. Jesus would criticise hypocrites who made it their job to criticise other people for doing the very same things that they themselves were doing. Hypocrites. Some people would fast, would fast from food and just instead of just, you know, just going about it, you know, maybe shedding a few pounds, but they're just going about it, they would actually put on rags and, and put ash and dirt on their face to show the world that they were punishing themselves because they're so holy and they're fasting. And Jesus is like, no, just keep up with the normal stuff, please. Take a shower, put on some normal clothes and just do the fasting between you and God. Get it? Stop being a hypocrite. That was the easy stuff. That was the, that was the nice version of Jesus getting stuck in the hypocrites. There's a whole slice where Jesus got he unleashed real bad. And uh, if you've got your Elevate app, you can open the Bible to a, a part of history where Matthew records Jesus getting stuck into some religious leaders of the day. And he got into them seven ways. And he started these seven kind of, I don't know, verbal attacks with the phrase, woe to you. Now, uh, these are called the seven woes. Bible people, smart Bible people call them the seven woes. Let me show you a couple this morning. And he was aiming these at religious leaders of the day and they were brutal. Here's one. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. This is not chapter one of how to win friends and influence people. You understand? In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you who put on the show. Woe to you who pretend to have it all together. Woe to you who want people to think you're better than you actually are. Woe to you who are imperfect, but in public pretend to be perfect. I preach here maybe 40, 40 Sundays and change 
of the year each year. And uh, I make it my, part of my preparation to deliberately bake in to my messages stories of me having failed. And, and, I, and I do that intentionally because I want to make sure that anybody that's listening understands that I'm not perfect. Now, by the way, I'm aware that you are already aware that I'm not perfect. But I'll talk like last week, I talked about my very consistently poor performance when it comes to buying Louis gifts, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, anniversary gifts. Very, very poor performance. 21st birthday, fry pan. Very, very poor performance. Now, one of our friends, Amita, she's, a, she's into cooking. If we were dating, that might've been the dream gift. Louis doesn't cook, not the dream gift. I'm happy to share that story because I'm not perfect. I'm not gonna pretend to be perfect. Now, by the way, I did forget to add a little thing. I nailed it once. I nailed it once in our 20th, for our 20th anniversary, for our 20th wedding anniversary, I bought Louis a house. <laughs> and she really appreciated it. And you know why I know she appreciated it? Because she even let me move in. That's how much I know, yeah, she appreciated it. So, you know, I'm not all completely imperfect, but I'm imperfect. But here's the thing. Sharing the stories, you already know that I'm not perfect. You know everyone's not perfect. But, but here's the other part of sharing the stories is I want you to know that I know that I'm not perfect. Because I could pretend to be perfect and I could even convince myself that I am. You'd know that I'm not, just the same way as I know you're not. But I don't wanna preach behind a mask. I don't wanna lead behind a mask. I don't wanna live behind a mask and I don't think God wants that for you either. And I think it's something that He would undo and my encouragement today is simply this. If you're someone who lives behind a mask in one or more areas of your life, then this morning we're gonna give you an opportunity to take off the mask, to actually let the world see the real you. And you might freak out at that. Oh, what if people discover I'm imperfect? They already know. <laughs> you don't have to be worried or afraid that people are gonna find out you're imperfect. It's not gonna be breaking news. See, there's freedom in taking off the mask. There's risk because it requires vulnerability. The essence of the word vulnerability means you're vulnerable. You make yourself vulnerable. But when you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. So this morning, my encouragement's gonna be to take off the mask. Now, I need to just qualify with this. Not every interaction requires full disclosure. And not every relationship that you have requires you to have full disclosure. If you go full disclosure with everyone at every opportunity, you will soon become the person that other people cross the street to avoid. <laughs> you will, because you'll be just too much. It's like every, hi, how are you going, takes four seconds to enter into a counseling session. And sometimes, the people just say, how are you going? They don't even mean it. 
They don't really wanna know. As long as they don't love you, it's just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And you can, in some cases, say, yeah, good, thanks, even if your life's falling apart. In some cases, no, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. But don't do that with every relationship and with every interaction, and that's the problem. That's where hypocrisy starts to become damaging is because you never pull the mask down with anybody in any interaction. That's where the damage is done. It's one of the reasons we have Elevate groups. Our Elevate groups are groups of 10 to 12 or some, some of them are a bit bigger and whatever, but the point is small groups within our church that meet up every two weeks in homes and coffee shops and so on and so forth. And they are not Bible studies, although we study the Bible. What they are is actually safe spaces that we've created where people of, you know, with some overlap in their life come together and can actually walk inside that environment and take off the mask and go full disclosure. That in, that in the time that we meet up and the relationships that develop as a consequence of those Elevate groups, that we've actually got some people who are just as imperfect as we are that are doing life with us in a safe environment, in the context of safe relationships, where we can actually completely take off the mask. Louis and I have the privilege of leading an Elevate group. And uh, we mostly uh, gather in our home. And uh, it's amazing. The first rule, it's not Fight Club. The first rule of Elevate groups is don't talk about Elevate. That's not true. The first rule of Elevate groups is what's shared in Elevate groups stays in Elevate groups. It's meant to be safe and we try to create that, that we're not gonna judge you, we're gonna pray for you. We're not going to criticise you, we're gonna support you. We're gonna cheer you on, we're gonna encourage you, whatever we can do. But it's an environment where we say, in this space, in this time, in these relationships, please, please, for your sake, take off the mask. Be vulnerable, go full disclosure. If you're struggling with something, put it on the table because we can pray for you, we can help you, we can encourage you, we can support you. We're not gonna judge you. If people are judging in our Elevate group, we'll, we'll, we'll kick them out. Hasn't had to happen yet, Jordan, no, no, no. Jordan's been a part of, I'm not angling, no, Jordan's been a part of our Elevate group for several years now. We haven't had to actually uh, vote anybody out of our Elevate group. But if someone wasn't allowing people to be safe, that would be pretty, but no, it doesn't happen that way. Now, it might not be an Elevate group for you. I strongly encourage you to consider being a part of one. But here's the thing. Ensure that you have some people in your inner circle that you can take off the mask and actually show everything about yourself. Because when you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. But this is kind of a catch-22 because fear is often the very thing that we have that causes us to not wanna take off the mask. Yep. I haven't got a just add water solution for that. You gotta take the leap and see what God does with that. But you don't do it on your own. In fact, back it up to one of the seven woes. The woe before the woe I just read. Jesus said to the same group of religious leaders, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is a cadence to what he was saying. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, 
but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. See, here's one of the most exciting bits of what makes Jesus different from every other, every other world religion. Every other world religion says that you've actually got to go there, go up that mountain, go to that city, go to that statue, go to that temple, go to that shrine, go to that festival, go through that experience. And if you do that and you tick all the boxes, then somebody will pronounce you clean on the outside. And Jesus is the only one who flips that script entirely. And he says, no, no, no. First of all, you don't come to me, I'll come to you. I love you so much that I'll actually abandon heaven. I'll come down to earth. I'll meet you where you're at. I'll save you in your zip code. He's the only one that says, and when I meet you, when I come knocking on your door, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to put up the mask. In fact, when I come knocking on your door, leave the mask off because I know everything about you. I know all of your imperfections. I know all of your failings. I know everything you, you, you've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. I'm here to turn that around. I'm here to start making a difference in your life. And here's the third thing that makes Jesus different from all other world religions. His transformation starts from the inside and works its way outwards, not from the outside and work its way inside. We don't have to go through rituals of cleansing and washing and dancing. And we say, Jesus, I'm gonna open myself to you. I'm gonna open my heart to you. I'm gonna open my life to you. And he says, if you do that, I'll actually start washing you clean from the inside and it'll eventually work its way to the outside. So my encouragement to you, my invitation to you this morning is, is take all of that energy that you've been investing in holding up the mask, drop the mask and let Jesus reorient that energy, reorient that time, reorient those thoughts, reorient those things that have consumed you and allow Him to start working from the inside out to actually transforming some of the things you've been trying to hide. Because when you hide them, they don't get changed. In fact, actually things typically get worse in the darkness. But when you take off the mask, you put them in the light and yeah, that means they're, they're, they're exposed. Yeah, it means that you'll see them. Yeah, it, mean, it means all that. But it also means God, Jesus can start working on that stuff and continue that journey with you. So we're just gonna sing a song. Just take a moment to reflect. I get it. This, this, no one, this is, some of this is it's pretty confronting. And, uh, you know, if you want diet Christianity, you know, all the feels without any of the challenges, it's probably, we're not the right church. But uh, if you wanna say, hey, Jesus, is there something better that you've got for me? Well, if there is, I want that. I don't wanna settle for anything less than your best. Then this may be something. It, it may be the mask that you need to let Jesus undo this morning. It may be the fear before the taking down of the mask. 
It may be that you need to let Jesus undo that fear that's been causing you to want to keep the mask up. Maybe that Jesus wants to undo some of the damage that's, that you may have experienced in your own life from other people who have held, held a mask up in their interactions with you. I don't know. And this might not be something for everybody. I get it. But we've just got a little, very simple installation over here. We did this last week. And what we want you to do is uh, we've got some Sharpie pens. And uh, last week we, we taught on indifference. This week we're t- teaching on hypocrisy, obviously. If there's something you want Jesus to undo, just as a symbolic act, I wanna encourage you just to mosey on over there. You can go around behind. There's a set of stairs there. Grab a Sharpie pen, write big, fat letters so Jesus can read them from heaven. (laughs) Write whatever that is, hypocrisy, fear, damage, whatever it is. If that's something, there's something that Jesus is saying to you this morning, because I love you, I wanna undo that. And when you finish writing it, use your best Boy Scout, Girl Guide training and just undo that knot and just pray as you're doing that. Jesus, I thank You for undoing this in my life this morning. So just stay seated, the rest of us. But for those of you that wanna take that opportunity, we're gonna spend a couple of minutes doing that.